0: what you are
1: listening to what
2: Welcome to Truckin'. Welcome to Friday. I'm Dooner, and that's the dude, Michael Vincent. Hey, good Friday afternoon
3: from a very frozen, chilly freight alley,
2: Michael. You sold me a bill of goods. I thought coming down the south, you know, it would be a, it would be a different story than what's going on <laughs> up in New England. But <laughs> it's been colder you. down here than it was up in New England since I got back out this way, in this morning... 17 degrees here in Chattanooga. Yeah. And I got to hear a sound I hadn't heard in a while. And it was like the crack of the door yeah, yeah, as yeah, yeah, as yeah. you opened it. Cause like the ice forming around it. Yep. Yeah. 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 They yep. don't play around here either. You get snow. Like yesterday it didn't snow, but they canceled my kids' school today. It was like a two-hour delay for no particular reason. Yeah. I guess ice concerns. Ice concerns,
3: insurance concerns. You got kids that are coming down out of the mountains as well, yeah. too, where just you know. Right at 10 minutes from here, they got six inches of snow the other day, Yeah, and we got nothing right here.
2: What kind of insurance concern is this? Look at this. Have you guys ever skied down a runaway ramp for truckers? Look at these people here. (laughs) People skiing on a runaway truck ramp is a level of stupidity I've not seen in a long time. What is the plan here, too, for these people? I don't don't understand.
3: And The amazing thing to me, there's like 10 or 15 cars there, right? Yeah. This, This appears to be... A random gathering of a lot of dumb people.
2: <laughs> I mean, is it random? Right is that like a spot? Is that like their I
3: don't thing? know? <laughs> it looks like it was planned. It got, I mean, really, there's that many? Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. insane, bro.
2: Well, Mac drivers out there too. Make sure you keep. Uh, I believe that bulldog's name is actually Nipper. Take a look at him here. Mm. This driver N- put a Nipper. scarf around his neck, keeping him warm out there. Keeping He's a got a little hoodie scarf, good? little hoodie scarf there. Nice. He's looking well nice. Well done, He's man. Looking nice. By the way, thanks to uh, Candor, right? Candor Expedite and Nicole Glenn over there. They sent both of us these really nice. I don't know if you've worn your fleece hoodie yet. Oh yeah. I had it on yesterday. Super cold day in Chattanooga. I had it on. I had the hoodie up. It looked great. I love the green color. Matched my eyes, Nicole. Sang to my heart. Quality, you know quality sweat. It was one of those hoodies that I don't like a thick hoodie. Like a thick, like the thick hood that rides around your neck or if it pulls on your neck. Yeah. This is like fleece. It's thin, and everything. If you guys know Nicole Glenn, go go hit her up. See if she'll send you one of those. Yeah, those fleeces, they're nice. They're good. They're nice. They're worth it. Hey, on the show today, we've got a great one coming up. We're highlighting health on this show with a trucker turned Ironman. St. Christopher's joins us to talk about their fight against driver diabetes. Next, Trucking talks about the drive for increased collaboration between federal agencies and the private stakeholders at the port. And Convoy shares their Freight Insights report. Plus, this week's good news, bad news. So, uh, I don't know. Let's tip the band and then we'll get into the headlines. Yeah, let's do it. All right, you may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in recent years, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating more than $2 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from AIT Logistics Experts. Tell them, dude. Hey, go
3: to AIT worldwide.com.
2: Let's hit deadlines What's going on in the world? We're sending in the weekend. Electric oh so here's one. So we've been talking about how Class 8 production, right? Yeah. Class 8 production, 12, 13-month delays on those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long times. Um, there's also a bunch of acts that are, are that are going in place in five or six states that are saying by like 2025 X amount of electric trucks have to be sold. Right? Sure, sure. And we kind of looked at that a little skeptically when we were first talking about that and like, well, where are all the trucks going to come from and where's the infrastructure in this timeline? Like, I'm not against electric trucks or electrification. I'm for it. No, but well, I'm, I'm not... against unrealistic timelines and the, and being a detriment to the industry. And enforce sales
3: percentages. How do you enforce the sales percentage
2: Listen, so Alan Adler has a story up right now. Alan Adler reports that Class 8 truck orders finished 2021 with a backlog to build time exceeding that 12 months. But orders for electric trucks are being processed in a quarter of that time, according to manufacturers under pressure to meet those state zero emissions mandates. The ports in California have some bad ones, too. Um, yeah. The number of electric orders is tiny. Several dozen to a few hundred is a good estimate, so that would give you a reason for why they're easier to fulfill uh, compared to those Class 8 truck orders. There was uh, 223,000 per Preliminary December orders projected by FTR Transportation Intelligence. Ow. FTR estimates though three hundred and sixty-five thousand new books were booked in twenty twenty one. Wow, and
3: ACT projected December orders at twenty-two thousand eight hundred, but the backlog of backlog of unbuilt units stood at about two hundred sixty-seven thousand through November after spe- after peaking at two hundred eighty-four in October. Uh, that equates to thirteen months, as yeah. you were talking about before. One exception is the battery-powered electric trucks, as we're talking about, which major manufacturers are beginning to ramp up. Fleet customers with an opportunity to try the zero tailpipe emission vehicles are returning to order. Bigger, more numbers, according to OEMs, who spoke to Freightwaves at the 22
2: CES in Las Vegas. Now this might be a catalyst to push electrification forward, but there's a few problems here, right? Uh, For example, Kenworth estimates that its T600E takes three months from order to delivery, which sounds really fast, especially in this market right now where there's this big chip shortage and uh, manufacturers of any type of model are are Mm. struggling to get them out there. Um, But depending on state rules, purchasers are required to uh, retire an older, more polluting truck. So the goal of increasing freight hauling capacity is meaningless with these changes right now. So you're going to have cleaner trucks out there, but it doesn't actually add any new. Oh,
3: cause they have to take one off the road to bring the new one in. Okay. I didn't understand
2: those mandates. Okay. You know what I also hate about these mandates. Wow. If they don't put in provisions in there to subsidize Small truck owners, this is highly unfair because the massive sure. fleets can afford to sure. go through this electrification much easier than a, than a smaller fleet could. That would rely on buying used trucks off the off the used market traditionally to start their companies, and now there's going to be years where you can't do that because these electric trucks aren't going to be on the used market. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if dealers will put a, a, a stipend on top of those. You
3: know, like the F one fifty thirty thousand dollars in some yeah. markets,
2: right? Uh, yeah. Well, and you hope that there might be some incentive for for buyers of these yeah, vehicles. Yeah, you hope so. Stronger ones. Yeah, well. absolutely. Here's a terrible story. Truck driver was killed hauling a load of steel sheet pipes. Take a look at how (laughs) these went through the back of that vehicle. As you can see, I mean, like Final Destination style, he had the sheet pipes on there. This driver stopped short. They went right through the back. Noy Mahoney has a story. He says that the driver of that flatbed truck was killed Tuesday when the load he was hauling went through his cab, as you can see there. The accident occurred just before 3 p.m. on Interstate 8, about 25 miles east of San Diego, when the truck driver, who has not been identified abruptly, all he did was just use his brakes. He just hit his
3: brakes, and it caused a load to come right through the back of his cab, and unbelievable. Uh, the the Highway Patrol, Travis Garo told Freight Waves the sheet pile shifted forward during the braking application. It just wasn't secured properly, man. Yeah. Just could not handle that, that stuff. The truck driver died at the scene of the crash. He was wearing a seatbelt at the time of the accident, um, and uh, that's about all we know right now. Yeah. Right?
2: It sounds like they're saying it's a strapping issue. It just wasn't yeah, just properly strapping properly Yeah, just strapping issue. You know They don't. Got to be careful. You can't just go side to side on goods like that, especially poles or, or boards or even logs that can fly forward through there. You got to make sure you got them front straps <clears> on. The one too.
3: that scares me driving a roll the big steel reels that are chained down, man. I, oh yeah,
2: I don't like driving next to those trucks. Um, and here's another story: Feds are fast-tracking a controversial trucker pilot program. You've probably heard plenty mm-hmm. about this uh, throughout the years. It's been debated quite often. Well, John Gallagher reports a long-awaited a controversial initiative that will allow young truck drivers to haul freight across state lines is seeking fast-track status from the White House. In fact, I think they're asking for it to be improved by next week. (laughs) The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has asked the Office of Management and Budget for a review and emergency approval of a three-year apprenticeship program to allow carriers to employ drivers between the ages of 18 and 21 for hauling freight across state lines, according to the request they filed yesterday.
3: Yeah, the current regulations require drivers of interstate to be 21 years old. Drivers under 21 can be Employed and can haul within the state, right? Yeah. So they can go intrastate. Uh, the FMCSA expects the pilot and the authority for which it was approved under the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, right? From the Biden administration, uh, they think that uh, they're going to receive about forty-five for about forty-five thousand applications from forty-five hundred different uh, motor carriers. Quite. Quite a lot of applications.
2: Not bad. And when you mention controversy, there's there's a number of sides to these arguments. One of them was presented here by Don King, president of the Truck Safety Coalition. She testified that research examining intrastate as opposed to interstate commercial truck drivers show those under the age of nineteen are four times four times more likely to be involved in failed crashes. And those uh, between 19 and 20 are six times more likely. Wow. ATA, on the counterpoint, though, ATA President and CEO Chris Spear argued in a Senate hearing in 2020 that current laws allow drivers under 21 to drive hundreds of miles in California, but don't allow a driver to go the 10 miles from a place like Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. to Rehoboth, Massachusetts, where there's all sorts of DCs. <laughs> <As a huge laughs> he said that's going to be the dumbest <laughs> policy I've ever seen. And um, where do you sit on this one? I like I, I talk to a lot of drivers. I know that their perspective yeah. is you know, the AT is trying to just bring new drivers in to dilute the driver pool and bring down wages. Bring down and wages, of kind yeah. Of things. But the reality is, too, that we need to get younger drivers into the field, and we need to create inroads for them to be able to do that. And also, we live in a country where we can go serve your nation, you can be sent to war at 18. I think you can drive between states.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you 100% on every single one of those points. Because regardless of whether, we're not sitting here arguing that there's a driver shortage and we need to get these 18-year-olds. Yeah. But there But it is an aging population, and there's fewer coming into it, and eventually it's going to be an issue. We've got to grab people earlier. I think it's a good move, to yes. tell you the truth. As long as it's applied correctly, we can uh, uphold the safety standards.
2: i got to agree. I am Iron Man. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> this gentleman is, though. It's Steve Kane, uh, president and creator of Rolling Strong. You remember he came on the show last year. He was telling us about his journey to go and do this Iron Man. Yeah. Well, since then, we got a little video of him crossing the finish line. Play that video real quick. Run this over. Let's give him a little congratulations here. He's running right through, doing his best, hands Here's... raised. You know, oh. yo, Adrian, I did it. He's got his moment there. Look, she's holding the medal for him. Looks amazing. He's here to join us now, Steve. Congratulations, little cowbell, for uh, for doing it, man.
4: Uh-oh. Oh, a- I love watching Wonder. that video.
3: <laughs> yeah, peace and love, dude. Eve. a couple was that a couple a couple jabs and an uppercut coming across that line? Is that what I saw?
4: Well, yeah, because I, you know, I was, a, I was a boxing coach for a oh. lot of years and I you still, go. you know, I still dabble in it on the side. So, you know, it's kind of my signature uh, finish line to throw a couple punches. Sweet.
2: Boxing is one hell of a workout all about endurance. And I, I think people sometimes you watch those fights, get up and start shadow boxing like just for three minutes. while watching a boxing match. And oh, yeah. See how winded did you get?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah no, my favorite you... workout is on a heavy bag. Yeah, it, it'll <laughs> kick your butt.
2: It's good stuff. So what, what did that let's start backwards? What did it feel like crossing that line? How long did it take you to prepare for that Ironman event and, and how long did the event take?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, it, look for me. It, it's all about the you know the the journey of everything I had to go to get there. There's a lot of you know people out there that you know train for and finish these Iron Typically, it'll take a you know a year or two years to you know prepare for you know your first Iron Man, um, you know, and that's if you've been doing a lot of stuff in conditioning. You know, with me and I think we talked about this in the last show. I had a lot of you know health uh, challenges because I you know last year wrecked my bike um when i was training for my ironman which you know, i broke you know took, tore my shoulder up and had to have that completely repaired and and throughout that phase i ended up with covid-19 and got really sick and i came back from that and they discovered that my the reason why i wrecked my bike was because my heart was pausing and and so i had a pacemaker put in so i i was out of training for about 7 months um it was march of this year that i had the pacemaker put in and i and I said, you know, I'm going to sign up for an Olympic, a half and a full Ironman. And my, my coach said, well, that's, you know, that's a tall order. Let's just try to do an Olympic. And uh, when I crossed the finish line at the iron, full Ironman Panama City, um, you know, in November, I, you know, I can't tell you the, I mean, you know, everything goes through your head. The support, the people, you know, the love. I've been very fortunate to have amazing people around me to pull something like this off, the coaching my rolling strong coaches, you know, uh, everybody that supported it. Um, so yeah, it felt, it felt amazing. It was an amazing feeling crossing that finish line with all the challenges that I had to, um, you know, kind of deal with to get there.
2: Now, Steve, not all of us are Ironman nerds, like, uh, our own Ironman, Daniel Pickett over here, right. Or, or David Bradford. Dave Bradford. Yeah. What is an Olympic Ironman? How does that differ from the other one? So what did you have to do to complete this?
4: Right. So the Olympic that I did in July, that's so basically there's an Ironman and then there's a half Ironman, which they call a 70.3. That's half of a full Ironman. An Olympic is half of a half. And then a sprint is half of an Olympic. Um, so there's basically four stages, a sprint and then you do an Olympic and then you do a half and a full. But the full, for instance, is 2.2 mile swim. It's 112 miles on the bike and, and then a full marathon, 26 mile run at the end. Um and so that's what you see me coming across the finish line is that full Ironman. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I got out of the hospital in March. I My trainer couldn't touch me until um, late April and we trained for the Olympic in July. And then we moved on to the Augusta half um, in, in August and are and, actually September and then I made it through that. And she said, well, let's give it a shot. <clears throat> let's train and, and, and see if we can do this full. And we, and we accomplished it.
3: That's um, so how much training per day, how did you make this move from trucker to Ironman? How, how what, what kind of a commitment is this on a daily basis?
4: It is a tremendous commitment, especially when you're working and, and, and running a, um, you know, business like Rolling Strong. Um, <clears throat> but every night you're looking at, uh, you know, an hour or two of training, and then your, your long training is on the weekends. So, you know, Leading up to the man, you know, typically I do like on a Saturday, 100 to 110 mile bike ride. And then on Sunday, I'd run, um, you know, 18, you know, 15, 18 miles, um, you know, kind of thing, 20 miles. And and so your big trainings are on those weekend days. And then during the week, it's, you know, it's smaller stuff like 30, 40 mile bike rides or, you know, 10, you know, 8, 10 mile runs. Um, or, you know, you got to spend a lot of time in the water too. Uh, so you might go and swim, you know, three, four, maybe 5,000 yards, um, you know, on a, on, a, on the evening or something and, you know, and that kind of thing. So and the training is one piece of it. <clears throat> Nutrition is another mental preparation, life balance, proper rest. You know, ironically, all the things that we focus on at Rolling Strong are a lot of things you have to do to, um, you know, to have a successful I'm doing an Iron Man. All those pieces tie together.
2: Well, Steven, I got to tell you, someone, you know, if someone put a pacemaker in me 10 months ago, the only Iron Man I would be doing is the Marvel trilogy and maybe some Avengers movies. But maybe that's the wrong way to think about these things, because I think that like when you have a health condition like right that, right, you go, I yeah. got to take it easy. I got to I got to settle down. But part of it is getting health and getting moving again. A lot of us making New Year's resolutions. Yeah. A lot of us ate too much during the holidays. So, you know, whether you're a truck driver, a desk jockey, a podcast host, uh, what? How? What should we be thinking about about our own fitness journey if we want to consider maybe not even our own personal Ironman of just getting started?
4: Right. Yeah, that's a good point, <clears throat> and that's the that's the whole you know reason you know why I do this and why I kind of you know broadcast this and get the word out there because everybody that's trying to get in shape certainly doesn't have to become a you know become an Ironman or a triathlete. Um, it's all about making a realistic goal and then putting one step and you know one foot in front of the other and moving towards that and doing a little better tomorrow than I, you know, than I think I did today. Um, You know, it's, the training for an Ironman is just ridiculous and it is very hard to to juggle everything. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's, you know, that should be the goal for everybody. Um, But, you know, our coaches, they do a great job of working with people to identify, you know, short-term and long-term goals based on, you know, challenges they have or, um, you know, based, you know, based on what they're trying to get out of the whole thing, a roadmap, just like a trucker, you know, you, you can't get to the other side of the country unless you, you know, look at the map and, you know, try to figure out the best way to get there. And and that's what it's all about. And so once you do that, you have to define some kind of training plan and you got to stick to it, you know, and, and on a lot of those days where, you know, it might seem a little easier to relax and watch TV, you got to put one foot in front of the other and, and go out there on the pavement with your headlamp, tight on your head and you know go run eight nine miles um and for Amen. most people it might just mean that you got to turn the tv off and do 10 15 minutes of calisthenics in, in your living room instead of you know watching a show or something
3: but that's 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 the big key for most people, is it not? Stephen is 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 making that decision to say, turn off the TV, and I'm going to take this time and go go exercise. Right, like you said, it's real easy to have a little bit of sore, some lactic acid build up, or whatever it happens to be. I'm going to take it easy today. But you got to say no and get up and do that stuff. That mental spark to do it. How do you get over that?
4: Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I always say that you can't do this alone. You know, I didn't, I didn't do this alone. I mean, I knew I wanted to change and most of us do. Most of us want to change. Most of us want to be healthier. We don't know where to start. We don't understand the roadmap. There's a lot of fad diets and, you know, fad exercise programs out there. Um, You know, so of course with, with us, with Rolling Strong, you know, we, you know, that's why we have coaches. So, You know, you can talk with somebody and you, you you know, you have a program for through our app, for instance, that holds accountability because if you don't have accountability, it's really tough. You can have the best intentions in the world. And four days later, when somebody's sitting there eating, you know, your favorite, you know, pasta dish or whatever next to you, it it might be easy to, you know, just say, hey, let me, you know, I'll start tomorrow. You know, I'll restart tomorrow. Um, You know, so setting the goal and understanding what that is writing out the roadmap or having something like our app that provides a roadmap and then checking in with somebody that has the ability to hold you accountable um and that's what it was for me i mean i had coaches i had linda i had you know um you know friends and people around me cycling groups and and so you start to you know build those relationships and people understand that your goal is important to you and and so you know they give you that you know kind of that extra boost to get across the finish line.
2: <clears throat> I mean, Steve, Hey, thank you so much for sharing your journey from trucker to iron man and, and your program here for people who want to learn more about rolling strong and they want some help and they want some coaching on their own fitness journey from a person who put their, uh, their iron man where their mouth is. Where do I send them to?
4: <laughs> um so yeah just go to rollingstrong.com on rollingstrong.com you can sign up as an individual or companies can sign up you know we're our focus is trying to you know eliminate you know or at least have a part in eliminating driver shortage and improving retention and um, trying to prevent accidents by having healthy people behind the wheel um but you know the last thing i'll you know kind of close with is because the very question you asked how do we hold people accountable how do we motivate them that's why we do Rolling Strong Games. That's why we right. have these competitions we run that any, any organization can sponsor, um, and people can sign up for free through a competition and try it out for, for a month or so. If they like it, they can, they, they can subscribe. But those games, we give away tons of prizes, and it gives people an incentive to you know, get started. And if they pay attention and they participate in a, in a Rolling Strong competition, then you know, inevitably they do learn some new lifestyle habits that can help them stay on track.
2: Yeah, very important. Hey, Excellent Steve, thank, and once again, thank you, and congratulations on completing mm-hmm. that race. You look good doing it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day take care. You know, I you know, he, he made a lot of good points there, especially yeah. about the habits and whenever I go on my like my own fitness journey and I'm, and I'm doing well, I'm using like my fitness pal, I'm counting the calories and I'm yeah. and I'm using the bike or, or, or yeah. doing whatever exercise it is. What happens is when you start getting into that, you form that habit and then yes, you do. when you're holding yourself accountable, maybe it's counting calories, then you don't you don't do the things that make you actually gain weight, which like the exercise helps, but it it actually puts you more in a mind frame and it's good for the heart. It gets you to stop like going to the cupboard and grabbing another handful of sour patch right. kids, another handful. And instead you're way more mindful that you're you know Instead of eating twelve servings of Sour Patch
3: Kids, I well, go, you start Whoa. to realize that this one handful of Sour Patch Kids, I got to work out for exactly. forty-five minutes tomorrow yeah. a lot harder. That and, wasn't fun, and I just didn't have much fun doing it today. And now I'm throwing it all away with this yeah. one
2: bite. It's a lot easier just to not eat it.
3: Uh, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle change, yeah. is what you're starting to change yourself. Yeah.
2: Well, our next guest is Evil Shah, He's the Chief Technology Officer over at Next Trucking, and you know what? He uh, he used to be near my old stomping grounds. He, if I understand correctly, he's a former uh, Zoomash Minute Man. I gotta ask you, how'd you like the uh, Commonwealth over there in Massachusetts? I loved it. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. (laughs) Happy Friday. You also have an interesting background, too. You know, Google is a very interesting company, huge company. We all use it. We all hear about it. But not many of us have worked
0: inside of there. What was your biggest takeaway after five years within Google? It was, well, well, first of all, you know, uh, back to the Minuteman days. You know, I was there in the Calipari days, you know, uh, in Final Four. Uh, Special time, you know. Unfortunately, that hasn't come back, but um, I'm still hoping, you know, but... uh, Google was special. Um, You know, it was, um, it was, it's a great place that, you know, really brings to bear technology for good things. And, um, you know, was a big reason why I came over to the, to the logistics side of things was to be able to bring technology to bear, improve the lives of our our truckers on the front lines and also for shippers, you know, and so huge opportunity.
3: Yeah. Excellent stuff. And now you're, and now you're chief technology officer at Next Trucking, right? And uh, an expert in product officer,
0: uh, chief product officer, but, Close enough.
3: Okay, sure. Chief Product Officer. I'm sorry, uh, at Next Trucking, but you're also an expert in 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 first mile shipping, and you've got some talk about drayage, some predictions about what and what we're going to see as as far as changes and improvements. Hopefully, in drayage, obviously that's been in the news over the last year and more more longer than even like two okay. years, right? With the problems there that are that are happening at the ports and the congestion, etc. Trying to say here. Uh, uh, well, I'm getting to this. Is what do you see that's happening uh, in drayage? Let's start talking about it. What do you see the big changes?
0: Well, you know, there's there's um, at Next, you know, we're a software platform, a cloud-based software platform that connects shippers and drivers. And, um, you know, our goal is to really uh, take out the waste and, and address the inefficiency that's um, really hurting drivers right now. Um, we've all seen the stat of, you know, 40% of driver time being wasted, um, idle time. Uh, and that's really what we're focused on doing is improving productivity. So we're a platform that connects shippers and truckers, uh, on one side of the platform, we have, uh, tools for carriers an app, as well as a a portal to allow for acquisition of loads, meaningful, relevant business that keeps them trucking, uh, regularly and, and, and gets them a steady ration of work. Um, on the other side with shippers, we have, uh, tools, digital tools that allow them to provide delivery orders, uh, to track and trace their shipment status and manage the journey of these containers in better ways. We also alert them with respect to what's going on with their containers so that they can better manage working capital, address issues like demerge and per diem before they become a big burning fire. Uh, And so that's what our technology offers. Um, In terms of our focus, it it is that first mile, the complex business to take in containers out of ports and into ports and i think in terms of you know first predictions for 2022 and say um you know there's been probably about 40 billion dollars getting into this industry over the last couple of years uh, from a um, huge amount of uh belief and aspirations around what technology can do to really drive efficiency last couple of years a uh, tremendous amount of investment things have been a bit slow I think 2022 is going to be the tipping point for adoption of these technologies, whether it's moving from old technologies like EDI to APIs, which fundamentally are more efficient ways of moving information, or whether it's um, intelligent ways in which platforms like us can deliver meaningful and relevant work to truckers to keep them driving and keep them productive. I think uh, 2022 um, is going to be a a tipping point for that adoption. and I think it's been a bit slow uh, in the industry, as transformations typically are. But I think this is going to be a really critical year for the use of these technologies to drive efficiency. And it's no longer even a luxury, right? It's kind of a it's a necessity, given that the the overall pool of drivers is is shrinking. Um, we we can't afford to be at sixty percent productivity. We need to be at hundred percent.
2: Yeah. And, you know, since since the summer, we've been hearing about the supply chain disruption task force and what they're trying to do, especially insofar as the ports go. And, you know, there's a lot of issues there about solving that some in our hands, a lot, many, many, many of them out of our control. But it's bringing together in almost unprecedented ways. Right. Collaboration between private shipping companies and the government sector. Is this something that should concern us? Is it something that should excite us? Is it something to watch? What's your insight on that?
0: I think it's a it's a it's a great opportunity, right? Um, this area has been, if you think about it, um, and, and I come from the financial services space and the fintech space. Uh, back in 2001, when 9/11 happened, you know, it took planes crashing into the World Trade Centers to really spur change and digitization in terms of the way checks were being cleared. They were being put in planes and transported from one side of the country to the other to to clear checks, right? And it took, um, it took a bad thing to happen to spur uh, a really good change in terms of digital technologies that allowed for image-based and electronic clearing of checks, uh, obviating the need for physical transport of checks. And I think that this pandemic over the last couple of years has been a similar wake-up call uh, for this industry, um, really a vital interest. Uh, The slow progress of of technology and new standards um, has really hurt us, right? And all of us feel the pinch now from groceries to gas, uh, inflation, you know, rising to crazy levels and and even sparking civil unrest. It's kind of crazy, right? So I think that the, the inflow of capital from the venture capital space and private sector, um, regulators now recognizing that this is indeed a vital interest that needs to be addressed um, thoughtfully and collaboratively, um, with regulators kind of playing a role to bring various players together in a pretty fragmented industry. I think that's going to be a pretty positive thing. Um, And I think there are lots of examples we can take of how that transformation has worked uh, in other industries, financial services included. But I think it's going to be awesome. It's crazy that, you know, we're all using different standards of how to define container status, and how to exchange information. Uh, These silos are absolutely harmful um, for the economy overall. And I think the collaboration between the private and public sector is going to be a really good thing for 2022.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems like it, it has to be pushed forward one way or another. Now, you mentioned tech. What tech do you think could be most impactful if you are a shipper trying to figure out this port situation, at least from the perspective of next? How can you help someone out most right now?
0: Yeah, I think what, what we're really doing is um, looking to stitch together a complete picture and an accurate picture of how a container is moving from uh, from the time it's on a vessel making its way to the port all the way to the delivery at destination, right? And sadly today that's um, that type of information is residing in different systems across uh, different organizations. And what we're really focused on doing is Um, acquiring that information, organizing it in a meaningful way, stitching it together uh, so that we can provide shippers with a meaningful view of how their containers are moving through the journey. Now, there are a number of players that are tackling different pieces of this information value chain. We'd like to bring it together, consolidate it, aggregate it, associate it in a meaningful way so that decisions can be taken, right? Um, Shippers struggle to understand that most basic piece of information of how that cargo is moving through. Um, it's wreaking havoc on working capital, not just for shippers, but for all other players as well. Terminals, carriers that are debating the status of a container. Is it sitting at the, at the port, incurring demurrage? Is it sitting at a customer warehouse waiting to be picked up, incurring per diem fees? The economics are as much of a mess as the technology is. And so our goal is to bring together this information uh, in a meaningful way, make it available to carriers, so that they can immediately find and the relevant load and the type of work they're interested in taking on uh, to be able to provide visibility to shippers and the tools to manage their working capital effectively. That's what we're doing. And we're working with terminals, we're working with technology providers throughout the industry to associate. And so you can think of us as you know, the, the, the critical connection fabric if you will, for interactions to occur between shippers and truckers and a variety of other players, including steamship lines, terminals. We're building that fundamental fabric, right? Good uh, good points.
2: Good points, too. I think that for a long time, shippers had just to focus on the start point and the end point where now we we kind of need to look at the whole thing, especially in situations where you have these massive, massive delays and people need answers about where their goods are. Hey, thank you for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate it. Say hi to Lydia for us, and uh, we'll catch you again soon take care.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Good time. for trucking. Good stuff. All right. China, Vietnam, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, even Mexico. AIT Worldwide Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2022, Michael Vincent, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization continues to expand and make it easier than ever for customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as is your business, you can learn more at tell them, dude. Hey, go to aitworldwide.com. Stay on this highway to health, right? Let's do it. Kicked off the show I talking like to that Iron Man. Let's talk more about driver health. And you know, it's not too late for you if you have an, exist, an existing condition, a pre existing condition, all of those kind of things. Steve Kane, he's gone through a number of things. I don't know if if you're a video listener, you saw all the chart of all the injuries he's been through and the pacemaker and all that kind of stuff. Well you have diabetes or you're near diabetes, not all hope is lost. And no. amazing companies like St. Christopher's are here to help you. Julia Dillon's with us right now. She's a health and wellness manager over at St. Christopher's Truck Relief Fund. She's also a Middle Tennessee State University Blue Raider. You know who a few famous alumni are who went there, Michael Vincent? Uh, I I do, but I'll let you ask the question. I've got mine highlighted, which one I think the answer is going to be. You have to, yes. All right. So (laughs) they are George Clinton, Amy (laughs) Lee of Evanescence and Hillary Scott of Lady A. So Julia, let's ask you, which one of those are you most like?
5: I think I'll play the fifth on that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, I
3: right. see. That's, with that's, George Clinton.
2: That's, that's code
3: for George Clinton.
2: <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> same here. Same here. Guilty. Guilty as George. Well, Julie, hey, we love St. Christopher's. We love working with him over here at Freightways, and we love what you do for drivers. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with the, uh, the diabetes program.
5: Well, we have Driving Down Diabetes, which starts January the 10th. And it is a program that is designed for people that are what we call in the pre-diabetes stage. And that may be someone that doesn't necessarily have diabetes yet, but their numbers may be a little high or they meet the risk factors that make them eligible to be in the program. The program is completely free. I want to make sure everyone hears me going to say it is completely free. We have a sponsor, Southern Recipe, that has come on board with us and provided um, everything that we need to make this program free for drivers. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is, and I'm talking about the general public when I say this, not just specific to trucking, is that approximately one in three people are actually pre-diabetic and don't know it. And that's huge, Ooh, you know? Wow.
3: That is wow. So then it just comes down to whether you're healthy pre-diabetic yeah. or not is what it comes <laughs> down to. Uh, I mean, seriously, right? So, but you, you, what are some of the symptoms that, that people see that are going on and how serious is it to really look at these? Because, you know, sometimes you wake up, you got a pain. Yeah. And you're like, ah, and then it goes away. No yeah. big deal, right? right? What are those symptoms that you're looking for that say, you know what, I really need to check out this program?
5: Well, the problem with being pre-diabetic is that there aren't any evident symptoms. Oh. It's not like one thing shows up and you think, oh, my blood sugar must be high or you know, that may be happening with me. Really, there aren't anything definitive symptoms that you can look at to say, I need to get this taken care of. You know, but there are some risk factors. And that is really key mm-hmm. and that you can look at. And we do have a risk assessment assessment. Form on our website, which is truckersfund.org, and you can take that and see gosh, do I fall in those guidelines? Should I be, you know, concerned about this? And, and if so, join the program. And some of those things may be age is a factor. And a lot of that's just because our bodies have been working so long to keep up with the demands that we put on it that at, the longer, you know, the older we get, the more we age. We have a tendency, it, it just can't perform like it did when we were 20, you know, as far as keeping up with those blood sugar and keeping things in check.
2: Yeah, I was looking and at some of these, um, well, I was looking at some of these risk factors, Julie, and a lot of truckers check, tr- check a lot of these boxes, poor eating habits, stressful job, away from home, aging population, poor health overweight, I think some of the stats on here are 7 to 10% of the U.S. population are believed to be diabetic, right? Where 14.1% of long-haul drivers are. So this is a serious issue. That's almost double. Man.
5: Yeah, it really is. And and the reason that we chose to get involved in this program, and because it's a CDC program that we have taken and tailored specifically for drivers. And we did that because when we see applicants come in that need assistance with us, One of the top three diagnoses that we see is diabetes. It's not our top, and it may not be always the primary diagnosis, but it's what we call a comorbidity, which means it's a secondary diagnosis that they may have when they apply for assistance. And so we think, you know, if this is something that we can get out in front of and start on the preventative end of things, then that's what we want to do. And, you know, we work on things such as nutrition, movement, Stress. Stress is a big one. Stress can make you really sick. So we focus on stress. We focus on getting good sleep. You know, what that means, you know, in the truck, because that's going to be a whole lot different for the driver than it is the person that's at home in their bedroom every night.
3: Yeah, so absolutely.
5: We really to tailor tailored to truck drivers. It, well, you know,
3: it, also it is for truck drivers, but truck drivers have different situations themselves. And you have a couple of different programs. Can you describe the two different programs for for those? So we talk about motivation and coaching and keeping people involved. You've got two yeah. different mod- uh, uh, programs. Can you speak to those?
5: We do. We do. Absolutely. Thanks. So we have our live session and those begin, like I said, on January the 10th. And that's where we have a group of people that get together live via Zoom. And we go over things each week and we have, you know, we build on this foundation that we start and we have, we meet together one week for the first four months and then every other week for two months and then once a month for six months. And that's considered the maintenance phase of the program. And then we also have our online program that you can go to on our website and there are videos that are already pre-made and you watch the video um, and implement what you've learned in the video, and then we chat once a week for you know fifteen minutes or so to go over what you've learned and just to help you implement and answer any questions that you have.
2: You know, and it's so two can't- different ways there. Well, we had Steve Kane on earlier, too, from Rolling Strong. And one of the things that he really imparted right. about getting on these fitness journeys is having a community, right, to be held accountable, yeah. to work with, right. with other people. And this group sounds mm-hmm. like a great way to do that without you know, without having to run an Ironman. You can just start on this journey. You can yeah. just start eating, you know, and start eating a little bit better, start finding better, yeah. better sources, start moving around more, and start getting yourself into that mentality that – the mm-hmm. amount of calories you're putting in can can hurt you, and the things that you're putting in are, and you have to be mindful of these
3: yeah, of things. Yeah, and I'm looking at these programs and what you're talking about here and the things that it helps you with, and it, and it seems to me that whether I'm diabetic or pre-diabetic or yeah. not, I would want to do this.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> right. like you're just a little overweight, right? You're just a little yeah. overweight dude or, or dudette or, or non-binary dude. You just want to lose some weight, right?
3: Well, well, yeah, and all this exercise and, and nutrition and stuff can help with your stress management as yeah. well, right? They, they interact with mm-hmm. each other. Am I right? Mm-hmm.
5: It all goes together. And that's the beauty of this is that regardless of where you are in that health journey, we can help you just take small, simple steps to be successful and to you know cheer you on and motivate you to want to do better. And that sense of community is fabulous. We actually were supposed to just do once a month, like I said, during the maintenance phase and our group loved being together so much and really wanted that support and accountability that we continue to actually meet at least biweekly during those last six months just to keep that support going. And it's funny that you mentioned Steve Kane, and it's such a, a great uh, partnership in the way this all worked out. He actually provides six months worth of his app and coaching from his staff as well during our maintenance phase of our program to help them as they continue when they are kind of weaning off, so to speak, what we're doing each week. And he comes alongside us and partners with us and helps with that too. So wow. It's a it's a nice. win win for everyone.
2: Look, drivers out there, if you're even thinking about this, or, you know, desk workers, any, anyone who's thinking about this fitness journey, they really want to be keep to these resolutions and don't want to make it just something you say at the end of December and forget yeah. about. So yeah. It's, it's what's the first yes. week? What is, like, gym drop-offs in the second week of January are, like, massive. Oh, sure. Uh, they are. <laughs> but if you really want to stay on this journey, you need the coaching and the support, especially for your driver, where do I send people to?
5: It's truckersfund.org. You go to our website. There's a health and wellness tab there. Click on the Health and Wellness, you'll see our Driving Down Diabetes Prevention Program. You'll see our Rigs Without Sigs Smoking Cessation Program. There's all different health things we have on there for you, but you click the Health and Wellness tab and get registered for Driving Down Diabetes. Like I said, it is free. It's for any driver out there, and it is not a fad. It's not a diet. It is a way of making small changes that's going to benefit your life from now on.
2: We love Lifestyle it. Hey, keep changes. doing the Lord's work out there. Lifestyle Amen. changes. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it. Take care, Julie. Say hi to, uh, say hi to Shannon and the team over there for us, too.
5: I Peace. will. Thank you so much for giving me a minute to come on and talk.
2: Yeah, Always. take care. Thank you. <laughs> so um, at the end of the year, Convoy put out this Freight Insights report. Oh, yeah, and it yeah, yeah. may shock you to know. It may shock you to the core to know that drivers really value Their time. (laughs) Well, we are going to talk to Aaron uh, Tarazis. He's the director um, of economic research over at Convoy. He put together this this freight insights report, and he's going to walk us through a little bit. He's also got a really interesting background. He's worked for the U.S. Mm. Treasury, and he spent over five years at Zillow. One of my favorite accounts on Twitter is Zillow really? Gone Wild. What, what, tell us something about Zillow that we wouldn't know. What's the surprise about Zillow before we get into all this?
1: Wow. Uh, so I think one of the fun things about Zillow, and particularly timely for, for this season, is that mm. they actually have a Zestimate for Santa's house that they they put up uh, at Ooh. Christmas. And so they, they put a dollar value on on the North Pole.
3: Wow! Wow! I've been looking for it on Verbo to try and take a vacation. You're
1: trying to take a vacation,
2: vacation there. back there. It's not there. Yeah. Well, they stopped buying <laughs> you want want more properties. You want I more snow? <laughs> <laughs> We've heard, man. Well, so talk about. Let's talk about this Freight Insights report. Um, you did a bunch of research in this, but let's get to the methodology before we get into all of it. What went to putting this report together?
1: Yeah. So this is actually something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Kind of had been looking for an excuse, but we have all of these facility reviews. You know, you can think of basically as. You know Yelp or or kind of Google reviews, but for all the facilities that the truckers in our network visit, and there's so much data in there. I've been looking for an excuse to dig into it, and so you know this was the opportunity. Kind of got loaded up the, the three million star reviews, the three million uh, text reviews, the actual words the truckers have written uh, in in those facility reviews, and. You know, had some fun analyzing that. And I think that was the most important part is, is, you know, to have fun with the data.
3: Yeah, it's tremendous stuff. I've gone through it there. Let's get through some of these uh, first insights that you guys have found here. Let's talk about dwell time. What do you guys find out about dwell time and drivers?
1: Yeah, again, like, as you kind of noted, no surprise to anyone, kind of that that waiting time is the single most important factor when kind of determining, you know, the, the ratings that a facility gets. So you look at, at facilities with at least 100 reviews. Kind of look at the relationship between average dwell time and average star rating. Average dwell time alone explains about half of of that difference in in average star rating across facilities. This is true for for, uh, both pickup and drop off or live uh, and and drop uh, loads. Um, Again, you know, any basically any facility with a four and a half to five star rating keeps their average dwell time to an hour at most. Wow. Oh, wow,
2: you know, you identified too five characteristics of top performing facilities, and I like that you're using all this review data because back in the past, before we didn't really have review data, people would just, you know, someone said something negative about a a docker facility. Oh, just a disgruntled driver. They're always pissed off. It's their, their line mm-hmm. of work. And now you actually have some data to back it up. One thing before we get into characteristics, so it's important to know about data, and your report your your report kind of alludes to it as well. Is that um, when we review things online, whether it be a doc or a movie or a product Amazon, Amazon we're very we lean very heavily to like five or one star don't we
1: yeah yeah yeah, totally I think anyone who's worked with the review review data knows this basically like you know five stars means I had a baseline satisfactory experience and kind of one star means kind of you know everything went to to to, to (laughs) kind of you know to 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 terrible places um and and so you do see kind of like this bimodal distribution with with a lot of five star reviews and a lot of one star reviews and, and very few in the middle. And, you know, we saw that in our report too. You know, I, I think 68% of, of live loads uh, got a, a five-star review. It was like 78% for drop loads. Um, so, you know, very much skewed toward, toward that top of the extrusion. That's good. good. Most people have like at a, a least satisfactory experience.
2: Now, and you use these reviews to sort of identify these five characteristics of the top-performing facilities, which were service was number one, short Mm -hmm. to no loading dwell times, um, short to no wait times Mm -hmm. at gate or a trailer pool location, amenities was a big one, and, of course, parking, which are sort of the five things drivers always talk about. Sure. Anyway, but you actually use the review data, what drivers were actually saying to identify these characteristics, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think kind of, as you know, this is stuff the driver says all the time, in our experience, kind of, you know, There's often a big gap between um, the people at the facility operators who have the power to to make improvements and and the frontline folks who are, you know, running day to day operations at those facilities. So often the people with the power to improve kind of restrooms or, you know, improve Internet access at a facility, um, they're not necessarily aware of, of these challenges. And so being able to bring data to them and say, hey, you know, this is what the drivers are saying. This is a, an, a clear area for improvement. If, if you want drivers to, to have a good experience in your facility, this is what you can do. I, I think, you know, as intuitive as it is, it's still surprising to a lot of folks.
3: It is surprising to a lot of folks. But one of the things I wanted to a- a- ask you, Aaron, is digging deeper into this and seeing what the results are from different types of facilities, right? If it's normally a drop and hook type of yard, are there differences there that they can improve in their operation?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think kind of it was really shocking to see the different types of words that that drivers used when they actually wrote out um, their their experience uh, on a drop load versus a a live load. I think easy was the seventh most common word in reviews um, of of a drop load versus like 64th most common word in reviews of of live loads. All sorts of words related to, to time like hour and wait. Were more more common in reviews of live loads, and you know also kind of uh, comments about the like restrooms were were less common in in reviews of uh, of, of drop loads, probably because drivers are spending less time there; they're, they're less sure. worried about accessing those those kind of uh, facilities.
2: Yeah, well, I, I was looking at the insights here too, and it said twenty seven percent of facilities had lower scores in twenty twenty one compared to the prior no. year. What led to that uh, decline? Was it all just congestion?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think kind of it's something we all have to acknowledge. Like that, in general, facilities did see a, a slight deterioration in average reviews in in 2021. Very likely that had to do with congestion. Um, I think people were waiting more time because you know dock workers weren't available. Kind of docks were still scrambling to load. Um, you know, all of the problems that all of us have been talking about for for a number of months now.
3: It's very interesting. So when we look at this, 51 percent had no meaningful change at all. Is yeah. there an indication yeah. there that that maybe drivers are just hey, this is the way things are in some of those reviews that they uh, give?
1: Yeah, you know, kind of, I, I think, um, you know, certainly kind of drivers kind of have a baseline expectation and, and you know, if that's met, then there's no change. It's also important to keep in mind that, you know, drivers are more likely to both look at and write reviews for a facility that they've never been to before. If it's a facility that they go to all the time, you know, they know what it's like, they know what to expect. And so, you know, they, they don't necessarily kind of rely on reviews, but the more they're visiting new places, um, the more they're more, the more they're likely to, to look at and leave
2: reviews. Yo, Aaron, you got nerdy as hell in this thing too, looking at like emoji counts and everything <laughs> yes, that were, that were yes. printed yes. here. Did you have to read most of these reviews? I'm sure you used some sort of algorithm to parse out words, but was there any review that you came across that like really sort of shocked you? You're really surprised to see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, the emojis were fun. I, I think kind of that was one of the most shocking things for me is like, you know, we're, there's a whole kind of, Economic literature about using text data, and it's kind of all sorts of cool techniques that you can use. Um, but emojis are a relatively new way uh, that people are communicating, particularly people who are communicating on their phones. Um, and we found one in ten reviews has emojis in it, um, and we were able to create an emoji cloud. But beyond that, the, to, going back to your question with the actual words, um, you know, I, I think it was just so you know intuitive to what makes um, you know what kind of information is useful. Like even a facility that had pretty poor reviews um, on our platform, I remember taking a look at it, trying to determine what made it such a bad experience. And a driver basically just said, you know, bring boots because it's a muddy lot. Uh, (laughs) That's the kind of actionable advice like that that really can make the difference in the experience.
2: You know, it's and it that's—I mean—that's reviews. That's just like the nature of reviews. A lot of times, you sure. say like, Amazon review, and like it'll be one star, and it'll be like my my grandmother bought me this and I didn't want it. It doesn't say anything about like the product. Yeah, there's nothing the product. to do just, with the this actual is, product. This, we're not rating your grandmother's shopping habits here, now, buddy. We're trying to rate products, but that doesn't always happen, and that's why you got to go through this stuff. You can't just take it all wholesale. But people who want to check out this report, they want to work with Convoy, they want to learn more. Aaron, where do I send them to?
1: Yeah, convoy.com, C-O-N-V-O-Y. Um, the report is, I think, up there in the front of the web- website. Uh, it's, you know, I, I want to say like a dozen pages long. Uh, lots of information if you want to check it out.
2: Cool. Next time you put a report out, tap us on the shoulder. We'd love to go through it again and break it down with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Take it easy. Thanks Aaron. Sweet.
2: Thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. Well, everybody out there, it's Friday, so it's time for a little good news, bad news. <laughs> uh,
4: the bad news and good news.
2: I hope they're okay. I hope they're okay. Yeah. Okay, bad news: your truck breaks down. Oh, never no. good, right? That's never not good. good. Good news: your company gives you a good one. Sweet. Worst news: it's in this condition. Take a look at this truck that they gave this guy. Look at that thing. There's, oh, yeah, bo- nice. I don't even want to know what's inside those bottles. God knows what. We're in like, the, we're still in that time of COVID, and you're, you're supposed to be taking COVID seriously. This thing's like a hazmat situation. Well, uh, this is exactly what happened to Redditor BJ Forsyth. He, his truck broke down. He went to get his company, gave him this one, and he said on Reddit he'd like some tr- some other truckers to share their opinions. Um, is he the a-hole for refusing to <laughs> take that truck? Now, most drivers <laughs> said, no, I would tend to agree with them. That yeah, is yeah. Uh, ridiculous. I would say, though, and it wasn't clear in the post, is this could have been an error. Maybe someone didn't know it wasn't cleaned out. We don't always have to think, like, people are putting us, setting us up for failure. Maybe if you just talk to who's ever gave you the truck. That could be cleared up. So I'm not clear if that's the situation that happened. What I would recommend doing is is refusing him, giving him a good reason why. And no, you're never an a hole for no. Yeah, I don't think he's an a hole for
3: refusing this. I'd like to know who thought he was for refusing.
2: That. I don't think so. I would. I would hope to believe. I would like to believe. Yeah, I'm skeptical, but I would like to believe that the company just didn't know that yeah, this was yeah, the case. Yeah,
3: exactly. If they did it intentional, then then by all means, you have every right to become an a hole. I would think so. <laughs> real fast, real fast. I got some bad news. You're a driver in yeah. Nature's Calls and. None of the retail establishments around our building simply give you, they just refusing you access to their bathroom, my friend.
2: Yeah, you're a truck driver, they don't let you yeah, in the bathroom.
3: They don't let you into the bathroom, right? But the good news is this, is that uh, a new bill aims to change that. Representative Mike Sells has introduced HB 1706. That bill would make it illegal to deny truckers bathroom access as long as certain conditions are okay. met, my friend. And those are, one, the restroom is located in an area where providing access would not create an obvious health or safety risk to the common carrier and allowing the common carrier to access the the restroom does not pose an obvious security threat to the retail establishment. Or it's employees. I don't understand where either one of those would come into play.
2: Well, one important thing, too, is the retail establishment also has to be, they have to have goods delivered to them. So it's not yeah. like, if you don't have trucks delivering, it's yeah, not like you, you have to open your bathroom up to truckers them. or the, the whatever. I mean, you can still make your rules up here, but this yeah. is making it for drivers that you just can't exclude them.
3: Yeah, you can't. If a driver's delivering
2: to your place, you can't exclude them. Well, you and get a hundred. What is a hundred twenty-five dollar fine too? If you break after breakfast. the second one, after the second one. Yeah, all first right. First one, um, you get
3: like a warning letter, it says a violation type of thing. You get kind of a slap on a
2: wrist. Second time, boom. what do you think? Do you like do you do you like the law? Or you got an independent, indi- a uh, libertarian streak against telling businesses what to do, or you, what do you think? I, I hate all law,
3: well, not all laws, but I yeah. hate the fact that we have to do this law, but
2: man, the dude's got go to, to go to the bathroom. You have to provide, provide a people. bathroom and facilities for people. It's man. ridiculous how often truck drivers are, live in this world, this existence, deliver in this country, keep our goods moving, and they are denied these basic, basic services. I mean, we're talking about a bathroom here.
3: Yeah, exactly. Stop being cruel. I don't like the laws, but shoot fire, people. <laughs> the dude's got to go to the bathroom. He's delivering goods
2: to you. Yeah. Let him use the damn bathroom. I would say let him use the damn bathroom. Yes. Okay, well, here's a little uh, bad news. You're moving to a new home and have decided to offload some furniture at the old thrift store. Well, one of those was your recliner. But the mm. next day, you realize you can't find Montequilo, the family cat. Where the hell is Montequilo? You can't <laughs> hide-and-seek with a cat. You've lost. Ah. He doesn't the, look, he looks upset. The good news is that it turns, here he is, turns out that Montequillo was hiding inside <laughs> that very recliner. You know, like he got uh, <laughs> a surprise from the poison at the shot. They opened up, they saw that face there, and uh, I'm not sure if they just, they just get the recliner back, but no. They, uh, they took the cat out, they got him free, and they took him over to the Denver Animal Shelter, where the cat's microchip was scanned. However... Oh, no. The bad news, the info was out of date, right? So they're like, whose cat is this? We don't know. We're just, we'll put a price tag on and put him on the shelf back at yeah, the thrift store. <laughs> no, that put didn't happen. The family no. eventually realized that, you know what, the cat maybe was inside the recliner, took a shot in the dark. They called up the thrift store, which led them to the animal shelter where they were reunited with Mr. Montequillo. Wow. That is,
3: that is tremendous. It's amazing that the thrift store didn't just call them and say, hey, there's a cat inside this... Uh in, in the caves. thing, yeah. Well, well <laughs>
2: yeah. but have you been to like Salvation Army or those places? A lot of times you just leave it outside. Well, yeah, that's true. That's right? True. You just yeah. dump it by yeah. the back yeah. thing. You don't yeah. actually bring it in. They check it in and all yeah. that stuff because you're not yeah. selling yeah. They it they to the They
3: probably didn't, they probably didn't, yeah. They probably didn't wait, wait for a receipt to write it off. In it's a taxes. wonder
2: the cat didn't get out of the recliner and run off. I yeah.
3: Just take off. <laughs> it like, got in there in the, and the first place. It was just scared to death, man. I mean, it got traveled over there.
2: Look, there's times in my house I'm like, there's literally nowhere for my cat to be. It's got to be in another dimension. Like, how did it, how did it ability, here. right, too. And then out of nowhere, it'll show up. Like, let's shake some, uh, <laughs> some fancy feast or something for her. do out of nowhere, there's a cat. <laughs> exactly. what, 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 would be, what is one thing in your house that if your wife took to the thrift store, you'd be devastated? Oh, my Honestly. gosh. my uh, I've, I've got a I've
3: got a signed uh, a picture of the 1948 Cleveland
2: Indians. That? Yeah. That of
3: all? Why is that so important? It, the last time they won the, the World Series. Oh,
2: the Terry Frank That is job. my one. Remember thing. when all the flies came off the water there that time? Yes. Yeah. like the plague of Locusts? Yes, the plague of
3: oh. locusts yeah.
2: Hey everybody, it's been a great time. Thanks for joining us on What the Truck. We're a podcast that happens three times a week. Look up What the Truck, wherever you get podcasts or download the so you CF to watch our ugly mugs in HD. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Duder, that's D-O-O-N-E-R Find him at Vincent the Dude and you tell him how to be this weekend. Hey,
3: peace and love, spread it everywhere.